Jack Aho. Um, my name's Jack. Uh, really good to see you guys. Um, if you if you don't know me, my name's Jack, obviously, and um, been part of this church for a while now. Um, and if I haven't met you, I'm really looking forward to to meeting you. Uh, it's a real privilege this morning to be speaking to you, um, really about something that's uh, close to my heart, um, and I know it's close to us as a church as well. Um, we've been looking at a series that Pete started us off in last, uh, last week, which I thought was amazing, um, looking at further up, further in, and further out. Um, these are sort of the vision of what we want to be pursuing this year, and um, we're talking about further up, deepening our relationship um, with, with God, with Jesus. Um, further in, we're talking about um, amongst us as a church, growing those connections there. And further out, the connections with the community around us as well. And today we're going to be continuing, up with, uh, continuing with further up, um, and we're going to be talking about worship. Um, a lot of you who know me will know I'm quite involved in um, church worship, and it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, so I'm excited to be talking about it today. I just love the, the gift of music in itself that God's given us. Um, it's, it's a real um, passion of mine and a pursuit of mine is music, and I just love playing it. Um, I love the way it changes how we feel. I love the way it can express emotions beyond what we can say with our words. Um, I love that it brings us together and it points us to God as well. And on top of that, worship itself um, is, is crucial. It will go on for eternity. Um, it, uh, it goes far beyond the problems of the world. Um, there's plenty of them around. Worship goes beyond that. It goes beyond time as we know. And you know, one day, every knee will bow in worship to God. Um, the whole of creation was created for the glory of God. Um, you, whether you know it or not, we're created for the glory of God. It's, it's a big topic. Um, it's the core of who we are, created, um, designed to worship God, to give glory to Him. Um, and so this morning, it's going to be, it's, it should be good fun, hopefully, um, talking about what worship looks like in different ways. Um, and if you're not convinced that worship is important, um, then I am hoping that you will be by the end of today. Um, and before we start, we better pray, I reckon. Yeah, Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of worship. I thank you for this amazing whānau before me, um, that we can come together, we can um, meet with you in an intimate relationship. Father, you're so worthy of worship, and I pray you'd teach us this morning about what it's like to live in that, in that place of worshipping you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so we're going to go through a few examples in the Bible of some um, worship, of different uh, times where worship happens, and hopefully we'll learn some stuff through it. And we're going to start here. Worship starts in the secret place. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean that it starts with us and God. Um, it's not about anything more than that. We heard amazingly a couple of weeks back from Tim about intimacy, pursuing an intimate walk with God. And that's where worship starts. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about David. Um, the same David, if you don't know him, the same David who is often associated with Goliath. Um, David and Goliath, the same guy. And before anything else, before he fought 
giants before he um, was anointed as king, before he became the king of Israel, um, he cultivated a lifestyle of worship and intimacy in the secret place. Psalm 139 is one he wrote, and it's an awesome example of, of this. Um, he says things like, O oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. He has a God who knows him. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? He knows that God's spirit is with him the whole time. He knows God is with him. He says, I praise you. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He knows God. He knows God's works. He knows him intimately. You know, I, I imagine him often um, sort of in the, in the wilderness looking after his sheep as a little boy with his guitar. I assume it, it was a harp, but I go with guitar because I play guitar. Um, and he's out there sort of just watching his sheep and he is, he's just singing songs to God. He's, he's got that intimate relationship with him where no one else is watching, just his sheep. And that's what gives him the courage to fight the lions and the bears that come and try and take his sheep away, is what gives him the courage to see a giant when the whole army is afraid of him and think, oh, he's nothing. He knows how big his God is because he's got that intimate relationship with him from the secret place. And it's worth asking yourself this morning, where do you find your secret place? Or another way of saying it would be, how do you connect with God? Um, have a think about that now. And it, just, just chat with the person next to you just real quick. Where, what's your secret place? And if, you, if you're not a Christian this morning, um, God would be calling you even now into that secret place. So just tell the person next to you, where, what is your secret place? Great, great, okay. Um, so, often a lot of us will work in different ways. For me, personally, um, I really connect with God. I find I connect with God in nature um, and music. Um, this is just a little, a tiny little snapshot um, to give you a kind of idea of my, my experiences of connecting with God. I see scenes like that and I just can't help but be moved in worship. I mean, we live just down the road from places like, like that. You can't really see it very well at the moment. But, I mean, this is, this is Plymouth, for example, and we just live in pla a place that's beautiful, don't we? 
Um, and when I see scenes like that, I just can't help but worship. So that's, that's me personally. You might be different. Um, for me also, the Bible um, is an amazing place where I, I connect with God. I learn more about who he is. Um, I love to draw as well, and that sort of helps me to connect with God. And just simple things like driving to work and turning my attention to him and realizing, like David does, where can I go from your spirit? It's right here with me. Um, that's my personal, um, personal way of connecting with God. Um, and yours might be different, but think about what is your secret place and prioritize that. It's all about relationship with the Father. And everything else we talk about today stems from this and is ultimately about this. So secondly, worship is a sacrifice of resources. Ooh. Um, some of you are thinking, oh, maybe he, maybe he would have kept this one a little bit later once we sort of warmed up and got, got a bit comfortable. Um, but no, here it is. Sacrifice of resources. Um, and in the Bible, we see two really clear examples of this. Well, much more than that, but we'll look at two today. Um, of, that you just can't really escape. Um, Mark 12:41 to 44 talks about um, the widow's offering. The Jesus and his disciples are in the synagogue, and they're watching lots of rich people come through and put in huge sums of money into, the, um, into an offering to God. Um, and then after that, an old lady who's, um, who's looking quite poor, she puts in two copper coins worth very, very little. Um, but Jesus tells his disciples, this woman has put in more than everyone else. Um, and the reason because of that is because she has given everything. Not just a small amount compared to what they, she owns, she's given her all. Now, why, why is that worship? Um, you might be thinking, why, why is that? Does God want us to just, does God want a poor church? Does he want us just to be poor and not have any money? Um, is the church trying to grab money? No, it's quite the opposite actually. God doesn't want a poor church. He wants a church of sons and daughters. And the thing with, thing with our money is, often we can rely on our money, can't we? I know that's definitely been my story um, in the past. And what it does when we give our money, when we give over and above what feels comfortable, um, it shows our trust in him. You know, people say uh, actions speak louder than words. And this action of giving your everything says very loudly, God, I trust you for my future. I trust you as my provider. I trust you that you go above and beyond what I can provide for myself. You're so good. I trust that every situation you'll have what I need. That's what it does. And um, it's an amazing way of worship. Um, and it's so much, it's easy to say those words, but it's a lot um, it's a lot deeper when you act out of that and you walk like that. Um, so I would, I would challenge you even this morning, when you give, if you're part of the church, when you give to the church, are you giving out of a place of comfort? Or are you giving, when was the last time where you gave above and beyond what seemed sort of comfortable or sensible? It's always a good question to ask ourselves. In John 12, uh, verse 3, we see another example, Mary anointing Jesus' feet with oil, um, really expensive perfume, just as an act of love, really. Um, 
And that, that shows me that it doesn't always have to make sense in our head. Um, there's plenty of good reasons to give money, but sometimes it's just simply an act of love, um, showing, our, showing how much we value what God's done for us. Worship is a sacrifice of praise. So it's a sacrifice of resources, but sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise. Um, you know, sometimes we don't have that beautiful sunrise in front of us or sunset in front of us. We don't sort of have um, a beer in the hand and hanging out with our friends and looking out over this amazing view. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes uh, we walk through some really hard stuff. Um, and it's sometimes in those situations where we need to tell our soul um, to wake up and worship. Um, Acts 16, verse 16 to 40, we read about um, a couple of guys called Paul and Silas. And they're such a good example of this. They spent, um, they spent a day getting sort of hounded, harassed by a demon-possessed woman. Um, when they helped her and, and set her free from that, the rest of the town um, ganged up on them, shamed them in front of everybody. Um, they beat them. They questioned their character. Um, and eventually that day they were thrown into prison um, for helping this woman um, and locked away in the most secure cell, tied up. Um, but you get to midnight that day, which is getting to midnight is often enough of a reason for a lot of us to stop worshipping. Um, but by that time they are still worshipping God, singing hymns, songs to him. It's, it's amazing. Um, they certainly wouldn't have felt like it. And sometimes that's the sweetest kind of worship um, because it's saying to God, despite what I am feeling, despite what my circumstances tell me, I know that you are good. I know that you're faithful, powerful, strong to save. And I mean, look at the outcome here. The chains broke off, so they, they were suddenly free. The ground shook. Maybe we'll skip over that in Wellington. Um, probably don't need any more of that. Um, and the prison was opened. Obviously, the, the rest of the prisoners, there was a bit of a change in them as well, because, I mean, if anyone's seen prison break, um, if suddenly the prison's open and everyone's free, you're not expecting the prisoners to sit in their cells and just be, just be okay with that. They'll be running out. But they don't. They stay there. Obviously, something's changed in them. Um, not only that, the jailer and all his family come to God and give their lives to him. Um, Paul and Silas go free, um, and it's just from worshipping when the, maybe they didn't feel like it. It's amazing, eh? What would our church look like if we were able to stir ourselves sometimes when things get hard to think, no, God is good? My next point doesn't discount any of that, hopefully, in your mind. Um, but we don't shut off our feelings either. And sometimes worship is being real with God about our feelings. You know, in this church, um, we've got five culture words, just words to try and describe and envision us of what, who we want to be um, as we go after different things. And one of them is authenticity. And that means being real about how we feel with each other as a family, but also being real with God. I think sometimes we find it easier to, to sort of talk to each other like, oh, yeah, I've had a bit of a rubbish day today. Um, which is good that we're getting there, being real. Um, but sometimes we sort of put up a mask to God, I find, um, that it's easy to sort of tell God 
or sort of try and come to him saying, um, you're good, you're good, um, praise the Lord, um, I'm going through hard times, but praise him anyway kind of thing. Um, it's, it can be easy to do that. Um, but in Psalm 22, um, our friend David again, um, he gets pretty real with God. And there's some other examples too, but in this psalm he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I mean, some of that seems almost like blasphemous um, in a way. Yeah? Telling God, where are you? You're not saving me, you've forsaken me, you've left me on my own. Um, it seems pretty, seems pretty full on to me. Um, but, and David actually knows that this stuff isn't true. He knows God's with him. Um, but he's expressing, he's allowing himself to express what he's feeling. And you know, God is big enough to take that. Um, God already knows. And he knows that um, the way that we come to him um, and know he has that intimate relationship with us is through being real with him. Um, I've heard intimacy described as into me you see. Into me you see. Um, it's, yeah, it's a funny little um, phrase, but it kind of sums this up. If you're not seeing into someone and seeing who they really are, you can't have an intimate relationship with them. You can't have a deep connection with them. It might be surface level. You might get on well, talk about the sports and stuff. But if they don't see your heart, you won't have an intimate relationship with them. And it's the same with God. Let's show him our hearts. Um, I mean, look at the outcome as well in this psalm. Um, once David is real with God, David's gaze is turned from his problems um, and it's slowly aligned with the truth that he already knew, but he didn't feel. God changes his feelings so that um, throughout the psalm, he's saying, in you our fathers trusted and you delivered them. He comes back to truth. And by the end of the psalm, he says, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. His faith is, is made new again when he's real with God. Our emotions are part of who we are, who we are created to be. Let's use them to worship God. Worship is responding to the Spirit. So Romans 8 verse 15 says, You have received the Spirit of adoption as, son, as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the very cry of Abba, which is Daddy, like the intimate relationship comes because of the spirit within us that moves us. Um, I mean, what I, I think about what would our worship be like if we responded to every um, prompt we got from the Holy Spirit. Um, if, importantly, it doesn't mean that everyone who's free in worship is dancing or doing one thing or another. It's not that. Sometimes the prompting of the Holy Spirit might be sit down, put your head in your hands and just think. Or it might be lie down and just, just listen to what I'm saying. It might be stop singing. Um, but also, I'm sure I cannot be the only person who has been in a time of worship and really felt prompted to shout or to dance or to, um, to go a little bit crazy or to laugh or to cry. I'm sure I can't be the only person. Um, and I know that 
in the past, sometimes I've felt those things and I've, I've sort of toned them down. Maybe I've sort of done a little, yeah, <laughs> or something, when really I really felt like I just wanted to yell. Um, I mean, we, we've all been there, eh? Um, it's easier to stay with like the status quo of what everyone else is doing. Um, but God is calling us to respond to what the Spirit, Spirit does in us. You know, 2 Samuel 6, um, we, we read about David again, um, the Ark of the Covenant, which was where God's presence was, basically, um, was brought back to his people. And David um, was just so excited about this and so filled with the Holy Spirit that he just had to dance. He was just too happy about it that he couldn't not dance. Um, his wife thought he looked like a bit of an idiot, um, but the rest of the the rest of the people around him were moved um, and led into one of, arguably one of the most notable times of worship um, in the history of, of the world. Um, it's responding to what God does in us. I would love to see, I would love to be a person who can respond to everything that God prompts in me um, in worship. The final thing um, I'm going to talk about is worship is changing the world. Before I go on to this, um, I want to make it clear that we don't worship to get anything. That's not the point. When you, when you really think about it, if you worship to get something, you're giving love to get something back, which... I mean, at best is manipulation. Um, at worst, probably is what we'd call prostitution. Um, and it is not the point of worship. It is not to get something. God has already given us everything. We worship because God is so worth worshiping. Full stop. <laughs> He's so powerful. He's the creator of the whole universe. He's the creator of time itself. He's the creator of the music and the movement and the thought that we use to worship him with. Um, he's so kind and so perfect, so 100% good beyond anything, that he is just through and through worthy of worship. We need no other reason to worship him other than his worthiness. However, I haven't put this point in here just for nothing. Um, as we worship, God pours out more and more of who he is onto us. He makes us aware of who he is more and more. He shows us more and more of his goodness. And he transforms us as we continue to worship him. He just gives us more and more reason to worship him. I mean, what, a, what an amazing cycle. Um, 1 Samuel 16 verse 23 and just before um, we do this I might get the band to come up 1 Samuel 16 verse 23 um, again our friend David um, shows another example of, of how worship changes the world and worship brings peace I mean, we're in a world at the moment that is striving, hungry for peace, aren't we? 
Um, there's things going on around the world um, that are, are scary. I mean, even in our Western world, there's things like mortgages or getting the right school for your kid or getting the right job. Um, though even simple things like that when we're not even thinking about ISIS, etc. Um, that make us feel anxious, make us feel nervous, make us feel scared. But, but worship brings peace. And as I prepared this, I really felt that there'd be people in the room who, even this last week, and maybe it's been a longer thing, that um, you're hungry, you're striving, you're desperate for peace. Um, and God would say this morning that He is here to bring you peace. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? God wants to come and um, come and give us that peace. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you're here this morning. I thank you that you love to pour out your goodness on us, Lord. I pray you come now and just impart peace to us. Give us peace, Father. We trust you that you are even now giving us peace. Thank you that your peace is a peace that goes beyond understanding. Um, and so even when uh, situations may not change in an instant or may not change for years I thank you that your peace goes beyond that Father. I pray now for um, situations that are causing us um, anxiety or stress Father I pray bring your peace into those situations whether the situation changes or not give your peace to those situations Father come and fill our hearts with your peace Even now you might be feeling um, feeling something different. Um, I trust I trust that that's happening around the room. And that is God's peace that comes when we worship. I mean, in Samuel 6, verse 23, um, we read about Saul, who's one of the, one of the kings, um, and um, he sort of yeah basically has this huge anxiety that's coming from a demon. Um, and uh, all his advisors, their prescription for him, their medicine for him, is to get a musician to come and play the guitar. And that musician is David, the worshipper. And as he worships, um, the anxiety leaves like that. Um, that's, that's one thing that can happen when we worship. I mean, so many times in a place of worship, I felt my perspective shift from worrying about my small little problems to which seemed huge at the time, and then suddenly seeing God's big picture and how good, how faithful, how powerful He is. Another thing that happens in worship, um, we see in Acts 2, um, the disciples, Jesus is gone, but they are looking for the thing that's been promised, and that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes falls on them and they are suddenly filled with courage. They go out of the room that they've been um, been hanging out in and suddenly they're talking in languages that they've never spoken in before, they've never learned before. Um, suddenly they're talking to people who are having their 
hearts changed in an instant. And by the end of the day, 3,000 people have decided that actually Jesus is real and he's good and I want to follow him. When we worship, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we actually have something to give when we talk to people rather than just trying. And in 1 Kings 8, we also read of another amazing encounter, another amazing thing that happens in worship. When the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. They couldn't stand anymore because the glory of the Lord was so thick in that room. I mean, personally, I've never seen that before in my life. But the truth of the matter is, we are the new covenant equivalent of the Ark of the Covenant. That seems a bit too many covenants. Um, so it means, what I'm meaning is we are the place now where God dwells. It's now not some box. We are the place that God dwells. His presence is in us. It's amazing. Um, we can expect when we're in the room for God's glory to come, when we fix our eyes on Him. We can expect that when we give Him the focus, the glory of the Lord will come in a way that changes people around you, in a way that changes the room around you, in a way that's so powerful that you can't even stand anymore. We just have to worship Him, put Him at the centre. Um, and as we do, things that are not of Him fall away. Things like sickness, things like um, anxiety, prisons of worry are broken open and we are changed. We, we become more like the one we're worshipping. So this year I believe that God is making us a people who prioritise the presence of God. I believe that He is making us a people who are willing to give a sacrifice of praise when things don't seem like they're stirring us to worship, we'll be a people who can worship through those tough times. I think he's making us into a people who will um, be prepared to sacrifice our resources for him, to show him, I trust you completely. I give above and beyond what I think is sensible because I trust you completely. I know that you'll provide every single thing I need. I believe he's making us, like Tim was um, speaking about a couple of weeks ago, to be a people who seek for intimacy with our Father. And as we prioritise those things, as we prioritise intimacy with the Father above everything else, then he will change the world around us, simply by his glory spreading out from us. Um, people will be healed when they come into contact with us as a church. People will be saved and drawn to Him as they come into contact with us. Why don't we stand now? Yeah, thank you, Father, for these promises, Lord. Thank you that you are drawing us into a place of being your sons and daughters, Lord that no longer rely on ourselves, but that rely on you. I thank you that you are drawing us to a place of intimacy with you. Thank you that you even want that, Lord. <laughs> thank you that you instigate.
dedicated that you started for us, Father. And yeah, this morning we want to prioritize you again. We prioritize relationship with you. We say we're willing to sacrifice praise to you. We're willing to sacrifice our money to you. We're willing to sacrifice our time to you, Jesus. We thank you for your desire to know us, Lord. Say, come, come and know us, Lord. We want to know you deeper. Even as we worship now, would you come into our hearts in a deeper way? We just love you, Lord.